Good morning. It's good to be here together, to worship together, to be reminded of God's direction and refuge that we find in Him as well. As we think of worship, how do we worship? What is involved in our worship? What themes provide the material for our worship? In the Sunday school lesson this morning, we had the the comparison of <clears throat> those who were given something very special and they failed to avail themselves of it. And um, usually in those settings, there is a lack of of worship, a lack of being able to focus in on the needs that we have that God wants so much to meet in our life and experience. Recently, as I was scheduled here in July, but Brother Evan asked to trade and that worked out fine. Tim being going this week, so I anticipate he'll be filling my next appointment here, as far as I know. But in the recent weeks, I have shared a message similar to what I would like to share this morning. It's kind of an evolving theme, but um, it's a theme that's hard to, to cover it all, but it's one that I believe is important. It's, I was reminded of it a number of weeks ago, again, as I um, noticed on the WhatsApp status, a, a brother, young brother posted a picture, and he was standing beside this girl, and this girl had a bouquet of flowers and that's kind of typical of not much more needs to be said <laughs> there's an understood message in focus there and um, and yet it's by and large the the element of where that all begins and where it goes is a far-reaching input of, of uh, teaching, understanding. And so this morning I would like to consider with you a message on godly courtship, a foundation of faith for families. Godly courtship, a foundation of faith for families. We very often notice things in the world about us that don't um, relate in a correct manner to what we understand the Word of God to teach us. And so we, we are reminded that it takes an ongoing endeavor to keep a clear focus of God's will for our lives, for the lives of the coming generation, for the glory of His name and for the blessing of His people. I invite you to two passages, Genesis chapter 2, just a couple of verses there, and then uh, we want to go back to Mark 10 briefly as well. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2, I'll begin in verse 20. 
And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God hath, had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now if we go over to Mark 10, we were already there in the Sunday school opening this morning, but Jesus made reference to some of these same words here in his dialogue with the Pharisees. <clears throat> now I won't read all of these verses. Um, I'll break in at um, verse 5. He was faced there with a question. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. They twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So here again we have some deep abiding principles of the creation of mankind, male and female. The joining together was to be an um, unbreakable bond in life as well. And as we think about godly courtship or courtship in general, probably a, there would be a broad spectrum of thoughts in your hearts and minds based on your life, your hearing of history, the uh, visions of goals of the future of what may be involved, but I would just remind us that there are, even within the different aspects of the cultures of our secular culture, um, our congregational church-level cultures, there is a variation that can come into view. And so, you know, we can't turn to a specific passage and draw... 12 verses that speak to all the aspects of, of what the steps to go through to enjoy the blessings of a godly courtship and laying that foundation of faith built on a, a deep faith for families. And yet there are principles involved, and I would like us to consider some of those. I would like to draw primarily from an Old Testament example um, in Genesis chapter 24. If you care to turn there, there'll be some verses there to peruse. I won't take the time to read all of those for the sake of time this morning. <clears throat> but here we have the account of Abraham sending out a servant to find a wife for Isaac. And um, I'm not sure how it would be perceived if we would try to duplicate, replicate that procedure today. 
it would create some discussion, some dialogue. But there are several things in this account that really bless me again and again as I read over them. Um, deep principles that are guiding principles in our lives, not only in this area of seeking God's will, but notice as we read, I'll read two different passages of verses from this, this passage. But as we cover this account, notice that there is the aspect of a miracle. There is the role of reference to angels. There is the mindset of the reference of God in this process, God in this picture, the hand of the divine involved, and, in, and as well as the even the servant that was assigned this task, he had that, that uh, concept of, of his master, but also the God of his master, and the desire to be obedient and to be directed by divine direction as well. And then we see in the sending parent, as Abraham gave direction, and we see in the parents, of Isaac's wife-to-be, um, the involvement that they contributed as well. But we also, in these verses, will see a reliance on divine intervention, on divine direction, perhaps I should say better. I guess it was a degree of intervention, but uh, a pursuit of and a reliance on divine direction and... Um, so, one of the easy, simple questions we can ask this morning again in each one of our lives, whether courtship is in view or not, but is God in the picture? Where does he fit in the picture? What is his role? Is he sovereign? Is he the focus of our refuge and direction, the input we draw from? All right, now going to Genesis 24, having the opening verses there, part of the account. And some of the accounts, some of the verses I want to read will be a little bit duplication, but um, I want to begin in verse 10 through 26, and then I'll read a passage later in the chapter. Genesis 24, verse 10, And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Naor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the, one, let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master, and it came to pass before he had done speaking that behold, Rebekah came out who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife 
of Naor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when he had done giving, and when she had done giving him drink, she she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her held her his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that her that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Naor. She said, Moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. We see that beautiful picture of someone acknowledging God's directing in their life and experience and assignments. Now let's go over to uh, pick up reading again. I'll begin in verse 36 here. This picks up the account when when uh, the servant could not, he needed to tell what was happening. He needed to share with them, and he recounts to some degree here, but notice what it says. And Sarah, in verse 36, And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go into my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. And I said unto my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. Then shalt thou be clear from this, thy, this my oath when thou comest to my kindred. And if they give thee not, give not thee one, Thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came this day unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. Before I had done speaking in mine heart, behold, Rebekah came forth, and with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down into the well and drew water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder, and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also. And I asked her, and said, Whose daughter art thou? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Naor's son, whom Milcah had bare unto him. 
And I put the earring upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands, and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now, if ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee good, unto thee bad or good. We'll leave off on the account there. Did you see God's hand in any of this? Did you see the hearts of men relating to the hand of God in their life and experience? In verse 7, we didn't read that verse, but in verse 7, um, Abram said, God will send his angel before thee. Abram was seeking to meet a need, but he's involved. He knew that God was to be in the picture. In verse 27, the servant said, I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Then we read in the verse 48, and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And in the last verse, the parents' response, this thing proceedeth from the Lord. A beautiful picture of a beautiful account that is not from the setting of today's culture, today's world, in the New Covenant time. And yet there are many things I believe that we can draw by way of principle to help us even today. Um, there was the element of Abram feeling the direction to draw a wife from those of his relation. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, there is some other thoughts given that would help us understand that mindset as well. Deuteronomy chapter 7, I'll look at that just briefly. Amongst other things that were warned against there, um, <clears throat> about them coming into the land of, of promise to possess it. And he gave out several warnings, but he says, neither, in verse 3, neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughter, and thou shalt not give that unto thy, his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son, for they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. They were given further direction there in that regard. But um, the caution and encouragement of elements to consider in godly courtship is pointed out there. The, the unequal yoke that we find referred to in, in 2 Corinthians 6.14 as well of... Uh, the need to to understand that the union of man and wife is to come together on the basis of unity in spirit, soul, 
and body. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion doth light hath light with darkness? Now the scriptures go on to to give direction on how to deal with with circumstances where the heart is not on the same page. Um, but the focus this morning is entering into relationships. Um, a godly courtship, laying a foundation of faith for families. So these scriptures, you know, they warn of those relationships with a limited, unified perspective. And that's so often we live in a world that begins to relate on the outward, the tangible, the visible uh, sense of attraction versus the elements of the spirit and the soul ahead of physical attraction. We'll touch on that a little bit more as we go along. Proverbs 19, if you care to turn to Proverbs, there's a couple verses here. Proverbs 19, <clears throat> verse 14, um, makes an interesting statement. In the King James, um, I'm not sure, I didn't look it up in the New King James. But it says, houses and riches are, in, are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. And the rendering, other renderings, I believe, is, is more of a, it, this verse is stating some truth principles, but in a sense, it's a contrast. The physical elements of inheritance of houses and lands is a general thing. But the prudent, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. And, and I'd like to, I noticed that um, in other renderings that it, um, it put them in a little bit of a contrast. And I like that because there is an element that in life, houses and lands can be pursued on many levels. But a prudent wife can only result from the hand of God working in her heart and life. The grace of God making her what she is called to be. And um, it doesn't have a correlating verse here as such that speaks to men, but I had to think, and there are many others. Uh, in Psalm 37, it talks about there in verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Um, then it goes on to talk about God delights in his ways. The one we see in both pictures, the foundation of individuals whose lives are directed toward heavenly sunlight toward the direction of God coming into their life and, and molding and making and strengthening and empowering them to live life and see life on the basis of Scripture. Uh, we're in Proverbs here close. Go back to chapter Proverbs 18, verse 22, talks about two, the blessings of a wife. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth 
and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Um, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, there's a number of verses there that could be read. Um, but I would make a reference there to direction. Perhaps we should turn there briefly and, and read those. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter four. Paul addresses the aspect of life and purity. Um, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, I'm beginning in verse one, then exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Notice this general mindset of that even Abraham demonstrated of seeking God's direction, looking to him for direction, how to walk and to please God. All right, verse two, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should, should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, He's talking about knowing how to procure or to obtain uh, a wife. Um, actually, in, if you look up that Greek word, sometimes the word vessel is bantered about meaning different things, but it's, it actually refers to, to a wife. <clears throat> and he says in verse 3, notice that it is the will of God even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. The holiness of God is to be a part, the work of sanctification to be a part of every life entering in, that there is a way to relate to a wife that is not sanctified, that is not holy. And he refers to that in verse 5, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. And so we need to remind ourselves that God's way is not the way of the world. God's way is not the way of the flesh apart from the Spirit's direction. God's way is a way that relies on Him to know how to walk circumspectly in these areas. Courtship, a foundation of faith for families probably most of us never sat down and went through a series of questions or interrogation to come to the fact that we had an interest in relating in finding a companion maybe some of you all did if you did you can raise your hands but uh, most of us probably didn't have all that deep uh, input or background in that process and yet there I believe at the same time most of us were blessed with encouragement to to seek a companion seek a wife a husband in the fear of the Lord in the Lord um, but the question this morning we could ask you know what should motivate someone to pursue courtship as a foundation of faith for families I already referred to um, here in First Thessalonians 4. 
verse 1, it says, ought, As ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God. That element of seeking to be honoring God, to glorify Him, to please Him. Is it possible to please God in, in ourselves? Some people think that can't be done at the same time. And yet, as we look to Him for direction and seek to submit ourselves to the teaching He gives us and the authorities in our lives, we find that that is a very important part. So a proper motivation for someone to enter into courtship is not to be a self, strictly and solely self-oriented endeavor. Um, there was a word that came to light here this past week during conference I found very interesting. We Many times we talk about self and selfishness and egoistic behavior and and those things are, are, are very dangerous. They're not a part of our surrendered walk before the Lord, not to be there in their carnal form. And then there was a term brought out, self-assertion, self-assertiveness. Now that, that can have the uh, maybe a little milder form, but yet it... It needs to be balanced and calibrated according to the words of Scripture and the direction of the Spirit. What should motivate someone to enter into courtship? Someone to begin dating. These terms, I understand, can be interpreted a little differently, but uh, in a variable sense, and I trust you can follow my uh, train of thought as we use them somewhat together. The motivation of finding a marriage partner. One that is in the Lord. Um, sometimes, you know, you observe life and you find that people's decisions were made not strictly on the direction of God in their life. They were made on their, their own perspective, their own directives. Um, maybe they come to know this individual girl or young fellow and and realized they were in the midst of struggles and they felt like you know they hit it off together so well and if they could just get married and get them out of that control and oversight of those unwise parents how much better things would be it's a path of folly the scriptures would indicate that's a path of folly then there are those that may want to find a marriage partner based on selfish goals and desires. And um, I think it's been proven that, you know, those that would not be open to got wise counsel in the speed of the process may or may not, but likely may not, have the patience and endurance that is needed in living out a sacrificial life of, of serving each other after marriage. I had to think of, of uh, my niece. You all heard Brother Bob share last week here this past week. and Mine goes back to many years ago when 
my niece Amy went with us out there and and uh, met her friend's brother, Bob's son. And um, it wasn't quite uh, Genesis 24, but it was pretty fast. Ten days they were engaged. And that has resulted in blessings, but uh, for most of us, we need more caution and counsel and time, I think. What are the motivations? You know, the there is sometimes the element of where the flesh reigns, there is the element of physical attraction. But we are made such that we desire companionship as well. We desire someone who we can relate to and, and relate with. And um, so there are a number of elements that should be in its proper way considered. I need to move along here. I see as I pondered this message, I've begun to realize this is more should be more of a series than a, a morning endeavor. But... <clears throat> Motivations. Uh, moving on from that point, perhaps to think a bit about when. When is someone ready to enter into courtship? When is someone ready to involve themselves? And I realize um, this is important for more than anybody that's involved in dating or considering it in the near future. But it's part of a ground laying the groundwork of understanding and, and the desire to be in God's will as the younger generation grows up and ventures out and reaches out. I would like to give you a couple of points here that, that I think are helpful to consider. One is that there is a growing relationship with God. But if we are, if we are sincere in seeking the direction and blessing of others in those early years, God will protect us and keep us the relationship with God. Um, secondly, I would like to think about the manifestation of maturity. The fact that there is evidence of maturity. There is evidence of respect. There is evidence of appreciation for people in general. Uh, all generations, you know, young and old. Sometimes it's easy for us to fall into uh, a rut of associating with just our own age group or whatever. And um, I think it's very important for those who are prepared to enter into a serious relationship to be able to understand the need to show respect and appreciation for all those around them and in them in their brotherhood setting and so forth. In Proverbs 31, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. There is a verse there, a couple of verses, where the proverb writer has a lot of things to say. And now this particular proverb um, comes from the mindset of King Lemuel. And it has a little different tone to it. But he says in verse 10, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. 
Here again, this is focusing on, on in on the female gender. But I'd like to note with you this morning the fact that there is a sense of trust, uh, not in just not in in that outward, but that inward. There is a sense of moral high ground of trust, of moral stability, and um, that needs to be an element of those entering into courtship relationships. Um, sometimes there is the the possibility of those who feel they've struggled with moral issues and they think well if I could only find a companion that all that problem will go away I believe the scriptures would bear out the fact that that will not transition into victory in marriage apart from the grace of God the answer to that issue is the grace of God Moral impurity will not transition into victory simply by getting married. Another element that manifests maturity in a way as well, but I want to touch on it in this regard, is that there is submission, submission to authority in, in the life of the individuals involved. Um, I made reference to someone entering into a relationship with with dirt on their windows they're looking through or stained dirty glasses, whatever the, the term you want to use. But that, that perspective that embracing Satan's lies that if, if I cross this threshold, then all the troubles will melt away. All the struggles will melt away. No more issues with church or teachers or parents. We know that's not correct. In reality, as we move into those areas of courtship and the fear of God, the level and number of areas that we need to manifest submission in even expand expand to other areas. Another element that needs to be involved in a biblical courtship is that of a biblical concept of love. Um, we understand that the vibes of the world around us are focused on a self-serving um, type of love and yet I'm glad that the scriptures point this out in a very helpful way that real love true love is has an element of selfless service uh, serving others needs enduring love serves in sacrifice and I think many of the, those who have experienced it will would testify to the blessing of them having served in a setting of voluntary service or going into a different setting, teaching school or a mission endeavor because they have the opportunity to deal with sacrificial living, to be living in a way that lends itself to serving in a marriage relationship. 
Another area that should be manifest in the life of those seeking to find companionship is a sense of responsibility. And um, I think we would all acknowledge that, but that is something that is developed through the years of, of difficult lessons. Of, of I was talking with an older man last evening, and he was talking about when he was young that he had to go take care of the garden. And uh, he decided that when he got to be a man, he wasn't going to have a garden. <laughs> and he didn't, but he understood the endurance, the discipline that is needed in life to, to do those things that are needed to be done. Not always pleasant things, but an ability to learn to, to accomplish that which needs to happen for God's glory. And that's developed through many times through the input and counsel of others, parents, teachers, what have you, in our lives. The sense of responsibility also relates to working and saving that precedes buying. Or the element of stewardship as well could be tied in there. Working and saving precedes buying. That there are things in life that need to be worked at that precede relaxation. Sense of responsibility identifying the the fact that mistakes call for restitution. When mistakes are made, what can be done to make it right? And sometimes the when problems are encountered, the easy way out is to walk away from them or move away from them. But to realize that in a real sense of responsibility, problems call for solutions. And we find those in God's word. We find directives. Another area of sense of responsibility in courtship is the fact that privileges in courtship call for trustworthiness. Trustworthiness in your commitment to God. Trustworthiness to your commitment to your parents, to those giving direction in how you should relate in courtship. Trustworthiness that you do not defraud or take advantage of anyone you would be relating to. Now, if we go back to 1 Thessalonians 5, see my time is up. First Thessalonians 5 verse 23 and this this is a whole diagram of, of directives for consideration in godly courtship relationships but notice what Paul writes here he says now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the New King James Version of the verse there. But notice the, the order of spirit, soul, and body. And that pyramid, if you will, is one that the world likes to turn upside down. The one the flesh finds fascinating to approach and, revert, and reverse. 
And yet, in the Word of God, we are directed to begin on the spirit level and proceed in the proper order in those relationships. This morning, as we look back and reflect on the elements that were noted in that account from Genesis 24, I trust you'll be reminded and um, encouraged to remember that the pursuit of God's grace and His Spirit's leading are a sure and safe path for us to follow. Whether we be that young man or that young lady or the parents encouraging or as pastors, brothers and sisters, whatever our role is in relating to those needs, there is safety in that regard of looking to God in these areas and ways and um, knowing that He has our best interest at heart.